70% of you that listen to Wholeness with Hannah don't actually subscribe. Following us on Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcast helps more than you know. The bigger the following, the more the podcast can evolve. So if you hit follow, it would mean so much to me. Thanks. Hi everyone and welcome to Wholeness with Hannah, a podcast to remind you that your personal whole is the only goal. Feeling whole and aligned can mean totally different things to different people. Give yourself permission to love what you love, feel what you feel and believe that you deserve everything that you want just because you want it. Me and my guests discuss all things mental, physical, spiritual and financial health alongside tools, practices and concepts that can help to enhance the everyday experience of life. I can't promise that we won't go a little off topic at times because I warn you now I'm a bit of a talker but I hope this podcast leaves you a little more equipped than it found you. Nobody else is you and that is your power. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Wholeness with Hannah. This week I'm joined by Jordana Levine. Jordana is a best-selling author, podcaster and trained astrologer residing in Byron Bay, Australia. Her bestsellers include Make It Happen, Higher Love and Make You Happen and her popular astrology podcast is called Luna Lover. Jordana has built a reputation for taking big topics and making them relatable, digestible and frankly very entertaining. Through her wit, warmth and street smart practicality she invites readers to get curious about the things that light them up. Jordana is a trained astrologer and offers natal chart readings which help people to understand themselves more intimately and ultimately create more self-awareness. She has found a way to filter spiritual topics through a lens that not only appeals to everyone but also extracts the wisdom and the tangibility of these teachings so that people can actually apply and embody what they learn not just read and forget it. But the best part of all is she makes it all so fun too. Her book Make It Happen kind of changed my life. To be honest I've read it three times. I'm obsessed and each time I've taken away different lessons but always the same sense of optimism about the real possibility of creating my dream life. I tagged her in a book reco post on Instagram which she then liked so I quickly slid into her DMs and here we are. I'm so excited to have you on the pod today Jordana so welcome to Wholeness with Hannah. my god thank you Hannah I can't (laughs) believe you've read it happened three times that's stupidly amazing. yeah it was kind of one of those things where you know when you're just like oh I need a new book and I haven't bought anyone new I'm going to read that again because there's always and you realize different things every time you read it yeah 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 I've got to say like I've probably read it 40 times during the editing process so that three times isn't too weird I guess yeah but you know there's other books I've got other books you can read you don't have to I know I need to (laughs) oh that'll be what I'll be doing after this um okay so for those of you that don't know Can you just give a bit of background on you and kind of how you ended up writing these books? Yeah, um, my background's journalism. So I studied media and communications and I worked as a journalist, as a food journalist, actually, which is quite surprising to many people. So that meant I was working in food magazines and I was doing like restaurant reviews and uh, interviewing chefs and doing product development. And um, I did that for just over 10 years and I kind of got to the top of where I could go and I was like what am I doing I don't love this like I love food but it just wasn't the right move for me so I went freelance and I kind of fell into this niche I don't know how but of writing about spiritual concepts in a really practical way Mm -hmm. Um, and it really resonated with readers and I built up a little bit of a following 
And then I had an idea for a book, which ended up being Make It Happen. So I pitched it to a publisher and then it kind of just exploded from there. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So in your book, you go through kind of your story and how we're kind of, we are actually naturally manifesting things without even knowing it as well. And they can be negative, not just positive. And the fact that we're all kind of vibrations and energy. Can you kind of give us a bit of an explanation of what you mean by, you know, we're all energy, we're vibrating and and how we attract things that are the same kind of energy as us? Yeah. So when we sort of look at the way that the universe works, it's basic. It basically works on the assumption that everything in the universe is just energy, right? Which is kind of cool. So if you think about like really big things and really tiny things, when it comes to the universe, they are all the same thing. They are all just energy, right? So when I talk about um, energy in the book, I refer to it as vibrations and our own vibrational frequency. And there are four universal laws that we work with in Make It Happen. One of the universal laws is called the law of attraction, which I'm sure many people are familiar with. It's probably the most famous universal law when it comes to manifesting. It's the idea that positive thoughts create a positive outcome and negative thoughts create a negative outcome. What you're referring to is the law of vibration. And the law of vibration states that everything in the universe vibrates on its own frequency. And things with a similar frequency are drawn together. So the idea is if I want to manifest A, then I start vibrating at the frequency of A and then A and I are drawn together. Amazing. People are going to be like, oh, wow, I need to change my frequency. Um, (laughs) So so if we, and you also have a manifestation equation, which I think is thoughts plus feelings plus actions plus faith, right? Yeah. So um, in terms of that, then it kind of, means you can't just think about things and they happen there's a there's a whole process to creating it so you have to start with the thought, then you have to feel that then you have to actually take some action and then you kind of surrender and say this is coming my way is that right yeah yeah it's sort of like um all four parts of the equation working together is what I found to be the most easeful way to manifest you know positive thoughts create a positive outcome is true But without the feelings, the actions and the faith, I mean, how do we turn our thoughts into something, right? Like logically, that doesn't even make sense. But if we can start to fuel them with certain feelings, feeling it in the present as if we have it now, that changes our vibrational frequency. And then the action and faith part of the equation really work on this idea that it's a co-creation piece between you and the universe. You take the action steps and then you surrender and let the universe do its bit. Yeah, I love that. I think that's kind of the hardest part sometimes is just going, oh, oh I've done my bit. <laughs> the hardest part, especially if you are type A or a bit of a control freak, I'm both of those things. So I find it really hard to go, okay, I've done enough. I'm just going to sit back now. But in the same vein, if you're just sitting back, and you're not doing anything for yourself and you're not taking any action, then it's likely not going to manifest. So it's really, yeah. It's a balance, isn't it? Okay, so say someone listening is kind of thinking, okay, I want to start this. I want to go down this route. I want to start manifesting. Where do you recommend they even start for someone that this is all a bit like, ooh, to, you know? Yeah, yeah. I always say start small because when you start to see evidence that it works on something little, then you can play around with the bigger stuff. And like I said before, whether it's little or big, it's still energy, right? So the same rules apply. 
Um, but the basis of it is you set an intention for yourself. So what it is you want to manifest, what is your intention? We write it in the present moment and then we start to apply the manifestation equation to it. So are my thoughts, like my day-to-day thoughts, are they aligned with this intention? For most of us, they're probably not, you know, like say you want to manifest some money, manifest abundance, and you're saying to yourself, I'm so broke, I never have enough money, I'm not good with money, you know, all these thoughts that we have. Can we stop them in their tracks and start to reframe our thoughts to be in alignment with what it is we're trying to create, right? So that's the thoughts part. Feelings part is how is having this thing going to make me feel? Like if this intention was to manifest, how would I feel? And can I start to feel that way right now? Because if you can feel that feeling now before it's manifested, you start vibrating on the frequency of it. And then according to the law of vibration, you start to attract it towards you. Then you ask yourself, all right, this is my intention. What action step can I take today to get one step closer to that intention? And then the faith piece is surrendering and knowing, well, asking yourself, do I feel worthy and deserving of this intention? Because a big part of manifestation is the self-worth piece. And you'll find in your life that the things that you feel worthy and deserving of, you'll probably find those areas of your life really easy to manifest in. And the areas of your life where you maybe have a little bit of a lower self-worth, don't feel deserving, you'll find it really bloody hard. Oh, I can relate to that. And sometimes you don't even know you have these. And it comes back to kind of limiting beliefs, doesn't it? About what you think you can get and what you deserve in those areas. I can really relate to that. But that's quite hard, isn't it? Because then you have to go, well, I'm not attracting this thing. And now I need to go a bit deeper and get it all out about why I don't believe I deserve it. Because there's been things in my life that I'm there on the surface, like, yeah, I deserve it. But I obviously didn't really, really believe it. And I think that's really hard. Yeah, yeah. And look, limiting beliefs are annoying. Um, They're not something that we don't have control over, though. We can absolutely change them. A belief is there because we've had the same thought over and over and over again until we believe it to be true. So if we can start to reframe that thought and think it over and over and over again, then it itself will become a belief and hopefully a limitless belief rather than a limiting belief. Yeah. So how do you feel about things like affirmations then? Because I guess if someone's trying to change their thoughts, you've got to be able to, one, I think meditation helps because you've got to be able to recognize your thoughts, haven't you? But then what do you, what's your view on affirmations? Because I feel like people have mixed views on whether they work. Yeah. I actually, it's so funny. I'm, I'm changing my tune around them. I used to be like, I don't know about affirmations. It feels like just saying words over and over again. Mm I think we can start to retrain our brain. The trick is you've got to believe what you're saying. You can't just say it, right? But there is this like fake it till you make it type of energy, which I'm totally on board with, which is you can say I'm enough, I am enough, I am enough, enough times until you truly believe you are enough. And also, like I said, if you can replace the limiting thought of I am not enough every time catch yourself out and go hang on I am enough you do that enough times you'll start to believe it yeah and that is so true and I've definitely worked on that this year and you know I went to this festival that was 
kind of like, it was called Happy Place Fern Cotton's Festival. I don't know if you know it, but she is kind of all in the wellness. And I did this thing called Belief Code in there. It was just kind of like a little tent that they had. And they gave yeah. you, they, they did you a bit of a hypnosis on you, but then they gave you these stickers that to take home and there was just a strip of stickers that said I am enough I am worthy and they were like stick them around your home and just notice the difference and I live on my own so I was like okay well no one's gonna know anyway so I've stuck a couple on my cupboard on my mirror on my front door and I mean I haven't really thought actually thought about it until this moment but I think they work because you don't realize you're seeing that all the time and your brain is taking that in whether you know it's doing that or not and I feel great every day so (laughs) I think they work that's all that matters. You know, like, is it a placebo? Is it not a placebo? If it's working, yeah. does it matter? Absolutely. I agree. Okay, cool. So then I guess moving on to kind of who we are as people, I read mm. that you are a double Gemini with a Virgo yeah. moon. So we're going to move on to a bit of astrology. Yeah. Um, and have you, so, and you, do you know a bit about human design as well? I do. Yeah. I'm a self-protective projector. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. So what does that mean? So first of all, let's start with astrology. So you have your sun, your moon and your rising, right? Which are kind of like the basic three. I studied astrology. So I'm an astrologer. I work as an astrologer alongside writing books. Um, Yeah. My sun, moon and rising. So my sun's Gemini, my moon's Virgo and my rising's Gemini. So our sun sign is basically what everyone knows as their star sign. It's Mm -hmm. where the sun was at the time of your birth. Your sun sign represents your identity. It's sort of your life force energy, right? Now, some people say, oh, I don't believe in astrology because I'm a Taurus and I'm nothing like a Taurus or I'm an Aries and I'm nothing like an Aries. That's usually because either your sun is in a house that's very different to whatever the energy of your sun sign is. That's getting very complicated in astrology, but that can affect it. It could also be aspecting another planet in your chart, which will change the energy of it. Or it's because your moon sign or your rising sign is a little bit bit more dominant. So your moon sign is reflective of your emotional self that speaks to your instinctual urges, like uh, your intuition, your sensitivities, your behaviors, your habits. And then your rising sign They sort of say it's like the mask that you wear, but I don't really like that description. It's more like the way that you take your entire natal chart and express it out into the world. So you express it out through your rising sign. It's usually how people see you and how you choose to be seen by other people. What's your sun? So I'm a Virgo sun. I am Gemini rising and a Scorpio moon. What? Although I love (laughs) Everyone says that whenever anyone I talk to that actually knows about it, when I say that, they're like, oh my God, that's a wild combo. But what you just said about not necessarily relating so much to your sun sign, there are parts of Virgo, like I'm very loyal. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not as introverted as they say loyal, uh, as they say Virgos are. Um, And I, most people think I'm a Gemini sun. But I think it's actually more I am a Gemini rising because that is kind of how I express myself to the world. I love that um, you're a Gemini rising. Yeah, look, Virgo, yeah. Um, look, with most of the signs, everyone knows about astrology through memes on Instagram. And totally. it's, it's they're just picking up on the tropes of each sign. And there is so much more to each sign. So Virgo is a very selfless sign. It's a very healing sign. They're all about acts of service. So they love to be of service to people. They love to help. They love to guide. Um, they're great communicators. They're ruled by Mercury. So I can see that's the case for you. 
Um, they also love to feel useful. If they can feel useful, they are happy chaps. Uh, they can be quite oh, I am a Virgo. <laughs> yeah, there you go. They can be self-critical, a little bit obsessive about things, bit of a perfectionist tendency. Their strategy is analysis and precision, right? So there's a lot of overthinking and analysis that goes on with Virgo. Now you've got two signs ruled by Mercury. So you're quite mercurial, which means there's a lot of uh, critical thinking, analysis, discernment, logic, logical thinking, rationale. But then you've got this Scorpio moon, which is very intense, <laughs> very intense. I feel very things, yeah. Yeah, and feels everything very, very, very deeply. I would also say you're quite psychic, um, very intuitive. And if you don't know that about yourself, then you should definitely develop that because it, no one with a Scorpio moon is not psychic. That's so interesting because lately I have tap, I've been tapping into that and it's been crazy. Yeah. But yeah. that's, oh, wow, that's so interesting to know that it could yeah. also, yeah, could be my Scorpio moon coming in because I kind of, I've also kind of let myself get into that kind of intuition psychic bit as well, which I think is the key, isn't it? Actually letting yourself and believing in it. Oh, amazing. I'm going to keep going with that. You know, how you were raised as well and how open your parents were. I just did an episode on the podcast about astrology and kids because I think, you know, there is definitely a way to nurture certain aspects of your child's natal chart. And for us as adults, I'd say that our parents were probably doing the best they could, but there were ways to nurture the Gemini child that's always asking, yeah, but why, but why, but why, you know, or the Virgo that wanted everything put in its rightful place or the Scorpio that wanted to have its privacy and its secrets. So um, yeah, our expression of it as adults can be tainted by how we were allowed to be as children. Yeah, that's so interesting. And you're right, my parents... I wouldn't say I was raised in an open household where any of this stuff was a thing. Just, that's just kind of what it was. I've kind of got into this much later in life. And as you said, my yeah. parents were doing the best they could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's, it's so interesting. Okay, so then if we move on to a bit of human design, I, um, I know that I'm a manifesting generator. Okay, what do you know about being a manifesting generator? It's kind of someone that's action orientated and feels like they can do anything and and kind of, thinks about all these different things that they can do which I definitely do that and then I'm like hey wait I need to slow down because I can't do a million things at once but I feel like I can do a million things at once yeah it's very um what I know about manifesting generators is it's actually very Gemini as well in that there can be a million tabs open all at once and then manifesting generator can put everything into one tab and then get really bored and want to move on to the next one <laughs> totally I'm like oh, I'm gonna do this and then I look into it and then I forget about it and I'm like no I'm not gonna do that I do that a lot yeah yeah look I find human design fascinating I've never studied it um but I know a lot about my own part of human design and when I've started to I'm a projector uh, a self-projecting okay. projector. Yeah. So we have a lot of open centers, which means our energy gets zapped very, very, very easily. But we are the guiders of the um of the human design type. So we're here to sort of guide everybody else. Okay. Amazing. It's really interesting, isn't it? So you you yeah. you're kind of you've started looking into it. And and then 
if we know our design and stuff, I guess that's another tool we can use to kind of live our best life and find out kind of where we're, we're good at things, where we're bad at things. Is that kind of how you see it? Right. Like all of this stuff, astrology, manifestation, human design, for me, it's all about greater self-awareness. And I really think that self-awareness is your greatest superpower. And the more awareness you can have about yourself, the more you'll understand yourself, but you'll also understand other people in the world, you know, and how you interact with the world. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? You know, how can I approach this challenge? You're only going to know how to approach it if you know how you feel about it. What's at the core of that? What are my motivations? Yeah, it all comes back to self-awareness, I think. Oh my God, I couldn't agree more. I think getting to know yourself is the key to life. Yeah. All those things you just said, but like, we don't, you're not, I feel like these are things they should be teaching in schools and and, well, from a younger age, because I wonder if that will change because I think the kind of becoming this bit of a more enlightenment in society in general, I think we've still obviously got a way to go, but it's definitely say more than like my parents' generation. But I think if starting these things at a younger age, it would all just filter up and it is the key to a happy life. I think the more you know yourself, as you said, the more you can know what you're gonna be good at, what you're not gonna be good at and other people. And we all thrive on relationships really, don't we? That's kind of how we are as humans. Absolutely. I think the school system is set up for a logical, rational, analytical brain, uh, which is probably, you know, like, 25% of us, maybe. Um, I mean, maybe it's different now. I haven't been in school in a very long time. But asking questions like, how does that make you feel would put them in a much better position in life than asking them to analyze and critique it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And um, one thing from your book, so obviously it's Make It Happen goes through your journey a bit. So you, you also started in a corporate career, right? And I really yeah. related to, and I've heard you mention this on another podcast. You started in this corporate career for, was it about 10 years? that you And you just thought, yeah. you know, this is what I need to do. I've got this amazing job. You had toxic bosses, didn't you? I had a couple, I've had a couple of those, but maybe not as bad as yours because I always worked for men. I was always in a male dominated industry. So it's a bit different than having a toxic female boss when you're a female, I imagine. But then I was really interested in how you kind of said, I just thought that was what I had to do. I didn't think mm-hmm. I could go and start my own business or do that so and I think a lot of people feel that and I felt that a bit I still work in a corporate job but it is so different it is you know it's what I needed it to this is what I need for now anyway um but I really felt that in my previous jobs of like you know I've got this amazing opportunity I should be thankful for it so many people would want this but it was eating me alive (laughs) but yeah yeah, so I I know that you kind of had a bit about that so kind of how did you get to the point where you were like yeah I'm, I'm done here this isn't right Honestly, I, it was a mixture of things. I'd gotten to the top of where I could go and I was not satisfied at all. I didn't think it was an option to leave. I think now in hindsight, it was a blessing that I was working for such a toxic boss because she gave me a reason to leave. Had she not been there and I was dissatisfied, I would have been like, all right, well, you know, you can't love everything, George. Like, this is a great job. It's good money, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But she was so bad. I do think she was my biggest lesson in this lifetime. She was so bad that I had to leave. Like, I was close to having to check myself into a facility because I was just in not, I wasn't in a good shape mentally. My mental health in a really bad place yeah so it was that moment of okay you either leave 
or things are just going to start crumbling. It was my, it was my rock bottom moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can rise like a phoenix from the ashes once yeah. you've had your rock bottom. Exactly. It's a perfect analogy for it. Yeah. 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 I'm so grateful. I wouldn't take that experience back ever at all. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. It happened during my um, Saturn return for anyone that knows about Saturn returns in oh astrology. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Me too. I was 29 when I fainted at my desk and I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. How it's a big crazy. My, yeah. My Saturn return happened in my fifth house, which is the house of creative self-expression. And my creative self-expression was very stifled <laughs> in that job. So it was just like all perfect timing and I left and that's when I started doing freelance and that's how I got to where I am now. Yeah. Amazing. So just, just to recap then, can you just let, tell us what a Saturn return is for anyone that doesn't know? Yeah. So Saturn return is when you're, uh, when transiting Saturn, so the Saturn that's in the sky right now, returns to the exact place as it was in your natal chart. So it gets a bit complicated, but say my Saturn is in Scorpio and it's when Saturn returned to the exact degree of Scorpio that it was when I was born or when you were born, whatever Saturn was. Um, Saturn return brings with it, we go through three in our lifetime if we're lucky enough to get to the ripe old age of late 80s. But we have our first one when we're 29, our second one in uh, 58, and then the third one is late 50s, uh, late 80s. The first one at 29, that's the big one. It's kind of like your initiation into adulthood. It serves you all the lessons that you need to learn before you hit your 30s. Sometimes they're rough as guts, the lessons. Mine was. Was yours pretty rough? It was rough. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, yeah. Some Everything people... kind of crumbled at once, but it meant yeah. it was it was because it was like, you're not supposed to be doing this. We need to get you out of here because you're not listening to us. And it was like, boom, <laughs> just yeah, before COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Saturn's a harsh planet. I, I describe it like the school principal. So it's not there to teach you a nice, fluffy, gentle, soft lesson kind of slaps you across the face like a cold wet fish yeah <laughs> yeah I love that analogy yeah I mean it does so it was interesting when Johanna you're talking to people and you know people mentioned they had these bad experiences and then you realize you're like how old were you and then you realize oh that was probably your Saturn return and they're like well what does that mean and then when you tell people they're like oh my god I think it was and it kind of it makes you feel a little bit better because <laughs> there is a bit of an explanation for why your life was just like turned upside right. down I know. That's yeah, why I, I love think, all this stuff. Yeah. So I often get people booking in for a reading right before their Saturn return and they're like, what can I do to make sure it's really easy? I'm like, no, no, we can't have <laughs> Saturn return. You have to have the experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that. People must be like, oh, no. Yeah, that is, all, that is horrible. Knowing it's coming, I don't think, I, I didn't know anything about it at the time, so I kind of didn't know it till Best after, thing. which I think is actually a nicer way, isn't it? Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that okay, that takes us on nicely to, to the natal chart readings that you do then. Yeah. Is that, can you, can you tell us kind of what you do during a, a reading and how it helps people? Yeah, so again, it's like an exercise in self-awareness. Basically, your natal chart is a snapshot of where all the planets were at the time of your birth. Um, and so I basically go through each planet with you. It's a nice open conversation. I like to learn a lot about my client before I do the reading so that I have some context for it all. Um, and then we go through each planet. So all the planets in your natal chart represent different parts of who you are. 
and they sit in what we call houses. So different houses in the chart, there's 12 houses and each house represents a different area of life. So there's lots that we can learn through the planet, the sign that the planet's in and that the, and the house that the planet's in. And then the other cool thing is that all the planets sort of interact with each other. So I can tell you what your innate strengths and weaknesses are. I can tell you what your love patterns are. I can tell you uh, what good career options are for you. I can tell you where some of your challenging or like places of growth might be in your chart. Um, yeah, so there's lots, there's lots that you can learn. And I always take the reading wherever the client wants to go. So, you know, if you've come for a natal chart reading and you're like, look, I'm really happy in my career, I'm doing what I love, but I'd love to know what the hell's going on in relationships. We can sort of focus on relationships or, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's really cool. I think it's, it's, as you said, it's a tool to get to know yourself, which you can then stop fighting things that maybe aren't for you naturally. And that's why you're having such a hard time. I think that is kind of what I've always used it for as well. It's a bit like, I'm not supposed to be doing this and I'm trying to make it happen, make it happen. Yeah. And it's not. So yeah, that's so interesting. So what's yeah. next for you then? It's kind of, are you, you're writing another book, aren't you? Yeah, I'm actually writing two books at the same time, which has been very challenging. I'm writing my first astrology book, which is great. I'm really excited about that. That'll be out September 2024. And I'm also writing my first fiction at the moment as well. Um, so, yeah, two challenges. How do you find that? How do you find, because I really want to write a book. I'm doing um, Hay House's course in October. Um, it is October, in a few weeks. Yeah, just because I, you know, just to get, how do you even start kind of thing? I'm just really interested in it. And how do you, how do you find the difference between starting with nonfiction and then switching to fiction? Because I always think I would want to do a nonfiction. Yeah, I find nonfiction really easy, um, mm. but only because I think that's just how my brain works. And also I think just years working as a journalist, it was, it's just like a yeah. very long article to me. Um, yeah. Fiction is fun. Uh I happen to pick a very complicated storyline. My plotline is not straightforward. Um, so it's taken me a really long time. I will usually write a book in three to four months, nonfiction, wow. but I've been writing this one for 18 months and I'm nowhere near finished. So uh, that part of it's been challenging because I'm used to churning stuff out and feeling satisfied, but this one I'm just like, but I also want to get it right because the plot line is so complicated. I don't want the reader to feel like it's complicated when they're reading it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Totally. So I'm just taking my time and massaging it nicely. Yeah. And do you kind of, you structure the plot line? Because it's like, it's like sort of like a different part of your brain, nonfiction to fiction, because obviously you've, you're creating characters now and, and all this stuff that isn't real. And I always just think, I, when I read a book and I think this story is insane Con like it's amazing considering this isn't real <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I I really spend a lot of time on character development I've done all the natal charts for all my fake characters so I know oh, them wow. inside out yeah um I'll show you the listeners won't be able to see it but I'll show you yeah. uh okay so that is how I see the post-it oh, wow. wall yeah, yeah lots of post-its on the wall yeah, that's my fiction book. So that's how I plan it out. And that means that I, I love can all the move... colours. Thanks. <laughs> that means I can move everything around um, if a storyline changes, but I still know where everything is. So 
yeah, I've got to work like that. I've got to be quite visual with it. Um, but yeah, like really taking your time with characters um, and fixing plot holes as they come up rather than being like, oh, I'll deal with that later. Yeah, it's the best way I've found to do it. Yeah, amazing. Oh, that's so interesting. So do you have do you have a date for that or you kind of just? No, <laughs> I don't have a date for it. No. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to finish it, so no. But uh, yeah, the astrology, astrology book will be out September 2024. I actually, I have to say that is in Australia. I don't know about the UK. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, when I bought Make It Happen, I was in, I can't remember what, it wasn't even a bookshop bookshop. I was in, you know, one of those shops that sells clothes and, and then it's got some like a stand of like cool books that kind of feel good books. Oh, I just happened yeah. to pick, yeah, I picked it up and I mean, obviously it says manifest a life of your dreams on the front of the cover, but yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, I, c- I couldn't put it down. It was, yeah. It was oh, amazing. I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you got that one that. into the UK. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. That one's done exceptionally well in the UK. It's actually done better in the UK than anywhere else in the world. That book. Oh, really? Yeah. Because we're yeah. all in need. We're all in need of manifesting the life of our dreams. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay, then. Well, I mean, it's been amazing chatting to you. But to kind of round off, I always ask my guests three quick questions. And I'm sure Sure. you'll have a great answer to all of these. So what is a favorite quote of yours that you kind of you either just kind of live by or you hold close or one that you would always recommend? Um, Yeah, it's funny. I think I actually have it in Make It Happen, which is hilarious because you probably know what it is, but it's not my circus. (laughs) Yeah, it's a Polish proverb. And I reckon I say it every day to myself. And it's all about like not stressing about other people's problems, you know, like not my circus, not my monkeys. And I have to um, like intellectually do that every day because I do somehow like involve myself in things. I I totally agree. And that is something I have worked on this year because I'm such an empath and I find it like, oh, I want to help them. But no, sometimes you're like, no, they need to help themselves. You don't have to make it okay for them. They need to want, first they need to want to make it okay for themselves and then they need to do it. You can be there and support, but you can't. Oh, I totally relate to that. And that is something I work on as well. I'm like, I don't need to absorb this, you know? Yeah. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah. Love that. No, that's great. That's great. Um, Okay then, and a book you'd recommend. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I've got so many. Do you want to give me a genre? Uh, no, you uh, you can pick two or three if you want. Okay. Because I'm just so, going to tag them. Okay. So fiction, I just finished. This is very rogue. I just finished, um, it's called The Fourth Wing. It's a dragon fantasy smutty fiction book and it's great and the second one's coming out in yeah it's kind of like hunger games meets twilight meets harry potter okay it's very lovely it's great um so that's my fiction recommendation my non-fiction recommendation is anything written by dr joe dispenza breaking the habit of being yourself and i've got that on my bookshelf (laughs) yeah becoming supernatural both great I recommend the audiobooks of both of them. They're amazing. Um, yeah, they've like been life-changing for me, those books. Yeah. Yeah, everyone says that about him. I sometimes do some of his meditations. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's great. 
Cool, thank you. And then to round off, what is a piece of life advice that you wish you could give your younger self? I think, again, like pretty basic, but like not to worry about how other people perceive you. I think I spent so much of my life, I still do it now, wondering how I'm being perceived by others rather than just worrying about how I perceive myself because I think your perception of yourself is so much more important than other people's perception of you. And also you're perceiving their perception of you through your own lens, which is probably not accurate. So I think I've spent so much of my life, but definitely my youth overanalyzing the way people are perceiving me. And I honestly think it was a waste of my energy so yeah that would be that would definitely be my advice to my younger self yeah that's great I completely agree and I think everyone can relate to that that's something that we're kind of conditioned to do and you have to kind of maybe it's when you get a little bit older that you're like yeah I don't care anymore because I definitely feel like that I definitely feel like I'm like the most important opinion is mine of me not 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 someone else and that's the thing that's going to shift your energy other people's opinions of you will not. I mean, it will, but probably not in a good way. But you yeah. having a change of opinion of yourself, that's what changes your vibrational frequency. And that's what will change your life. Yeah. Oh, Hannah, I love that. What's your piece of advice for your younger self? I think, oh, I've got two. I think I feel really strongly about don't be afraid to be alone for a while. That is actually where the magic happens. That is a huge one for me. I have been, uh, there's a difference between being lonely and alone. But I think people think that, you know, you have to be in a relationship or you have to be busy all the time and these things. And it's like, it's okay to slow down. It's okay to be alone for a while. It's okay to sit with you and your thoughts. And actually that is where the magic happens. Again, it comes back to get to know yourself. And then I think the other bit is rejection is just a redirection. It always is. It's always sending you somewhere better, even if it doesn't feel like it at the time. Rejection is always a redirection to something bigger, better, and more meant for you. So true. So, so true. Yeah. Yeah, I try and remember that. And that's kind of why why I tell everyone when... It's not what you want to hear when something's gone wrong, but rejection is a redirection. And I I believe that you will see that eventually with time. So when I look back at jobs that I really wanted to get that I didn't get or things that didn't work out, I'm like, the next thing that came along was so much better and so much more meant for me. You just kind of, again, it comes back to sit, you've got to sit back for a while and trust that things have fallen into place how they should. Absolutely. I think that's good advice when it comes to jobs. I think it's really good advice when it comes to dating and relationships. Those moments where feel heartbroken or you feel rejected or you feel like you could have done something different or whatever um it always pushes you exactly where you're meant to be and really trusting that and that takes us back to the faith bit of the equation it is the hardest bit because there's nothing to anchor to right the future is the unknown and that can be really scary but if we can lean into it and trust it then you will only be rewarded oh totally and and i like to think of uncertainty is actually exciting like you don't know what's yeah. coming next it could be anything amazing whereas yeah. I think I think you know we're taught and a lot of people hold on to things that aren't working because they're so scared of what their life will be like without that job or that person and I get it that is scary but there is so much beauty in the unknown but again you gotta surrender you gotta have faith agreed 
Agreed, agreed, agreed. Amazing. I've loved this conversation. Um, So where can the listeners find you? You can find me on my website, jordanalevine.com. You can find me on Instagram at jordanalevine. My podcast is called Luna Lover. It's an astrology podcast. Um, And yeah, I think that's all my details. And all your books, they can find you. They can get they can buy them on the internet, oh, right? If we're in the yeah. UK. All my books on the internet um, or in bookstores, depending on where you are in the world. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining today. I know we've, we've tried to sort this out around the time zone, so I really appreciate it. And it's been great to chat to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Wholeness with Hannah. I hope you found it insightful and uplifting. And my one wish is that it's left you a little more equipped than it found you. Shout out to my amazing guests and my wonderful producer, Mariana. If you could subscribe, rate and review, I'd love you forever because it really helps the podcast or share with a friend if you think it will help them. You can also follow the pod on Insta at Wholeness with Hannah. Thanks and see you next episode.